As we have sung, let us turn our hearts to God. Dear Father, we ask that by your grace, Father, this morning we could gather, not as a church, just gathering here together according to our custom, but that we could gather, Father, each one of us as your children, that we could gather here as a family of of children around their father's throne, and that as such we could we could see your face and we could hear your voice, and that we could be drawn closer to your son Jesus, to know him as Father, you would desire that we might know him. We ask, Father, that in our lives, that your word would be true and that it would be a part of all of our lives day by day. And that it would be so true and so real that our children would see and they would be able to know even as we, as little children, have looked and observed our parents, not with great understanding, but with childlike eyes which see into the depth of the heart, we have seen that that which they hoped for and that which they sought for and believed in was real and true to them. So may it be with us, Father, that we might be able to instill also that hope within the hearts of these young ones that our elders have had before and with which hope we walk today, that their eyes might be turned somewhat away from the things that are here, that they might be somewhat turned to those things which you have paid such a high price to gain for us. We ask, Father, for, for this grace and mercy in these last days and understanding that you have been so long-suffering even to bear this world as long as you have even unto this day and to bear with us each one as you have to this day. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. The next song is 202.
Jesus came into this world with many, many different offices. He came first and foremost to redeem us from sin. He also came to to heal people in their bodily afflictions, and and he came as a teacher, teaching a a doctrine, a doctrine which means teaching. And when he came here on earth, he came not so that people could choose to be a partaker of his redemption and nothing else, or to be a partaker of his healing and nothing else, or to be a partaker of his teaching. But he came here so that so that God's children could be reunited and reconciled to their father again from whom they were severed. And all of these things were a part of that reconciliation. And we need everything that Jesus came to bring us. We need his redemption. We need his healing. And we need his doctrine and his teaching. And we all desperately need it in our everyday life. There was a fellow that he wasn't from our church, but he uh, was some kind of a missionary down in Mexico, and I was talking to him one time in a conversation, and I asked him about if he has had any experience that's really in all his time there as he had experience which really stands out and he told he said yes he definitely has and he told an experience when he thought he was going to die and he explained the circumstances it was an accident and he said that uh, I remember he was telling me and others that were gathered there uh, he says that God wanted to take my life and I didn't want to give it up he said I had three days left to live and I didn't want to give my life up. And he says, I struggled with God, is the way the fellow told me. And I remember he said that, uh, he said that finally I yielded to his will. And I told God, if you want to take my life, then your will be done. Well, as it turned out, God didn't take his life. But I remember he, he looked at me and he looked at some other people there and he says, uh, he said this way, he says, I don't care what religion you are. He said, there's a relationship between you and your God. He says, religion is the suit that we wear and that relationship is what's underneath that suit. And he says, religion is when we reach up to God. And he said that, but that relationship is when he reaches down to us. I thought that's, that was pretty profound, that man said. There is religion and there is a relationship. 
an individual relationship with God and with Christ. And when we stand on Judgment Day, we will stand alone, and there will be a relationship, an individual relationship forever with our God and with Christ. Religion is a part of it, but but that is not the heart of the matter. I'll read this morning from the 18th chapter of Luke. Some of the teachings, some of the doctrine that Jesus taught us and teaches us to this day, and the words are as follows in Jesus' name, the first, starting with the first verse. And he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought to always to pray, ought always to pray and not to faint, saying there was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a widow in that city, and she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of my of mine adversary. And he would not for a while. But afterwards he said within himself, Though I fear not God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge saith. And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on earth? Amen. This not only gave us the words which Jesus taught and that which he spake, but it also gave an important little preface in the beginning as to why why he spoke this, that man ought to always pray and not to faint. He, he tried to teach us something, and he's trying to teach us something today that we ought always to pray and not to faint. If I went through this church and I went one by one to each one of you and we talked together and I said, well, all right, tell me, what have, you been, what have been your joys in this life? What have been the places of happiness in this life and what have been your troubles in this life? What reason do you have to be happy today? What joy, what reason for joy do you have in your heart today? Or what problems do you have today? Do you have any worries? Do you have any cares? And I can be pretty well sure that our list of joys would be pretty short. Our list of troubles and problems would be pretty long. We wouldn't spend a lot of time talking about the happy things and the good things that are happening in our life, but we'd have quite a bit to say about the worries that we have, the cares, the concerns, and we probably wouldn't have time to talk about them all because they keep spreading and spreading and spreading. They involve ourselves, 
maybe our husbands and wives, our mom, our dad. We're concerned about our children. We're concerned about our friends. We're concerned about people that are other places in this country. We might be concerned about our parents, our grandparents, our brothers, sisters, cousins. There are a lot of reasons for every one of us, and we all go through this life continually with concerns and cares upon our heart. I can't remember too long a period of time or too many periods in my lifetime that have been what I could call fairly easy, that things have gone fairly well and there haven't been a lot of troubles and, and cares. And I can't say that today my life is without troubles and cares and concerns. And sometimes it becomes that these cares and concerns and problems that overcome us, whether it's with, from without or from, from within, they became, they become overwhelming. It seems like we just can't take them anymore. And a lot of those things come not just from the, the, it's not just the problems, it's the hurts. They're the worst thing. The hurts are the worst things to deal with. Problems we can deal with, we can, somehow get through them but those hurts go deep and they are there along with all the other problems has anybody here ever fainted have you gotten so full of pain that you passed out have you ever gotten a situation where things got so bad it's a natural defense that God put into this human body that when you can't take it anymore, you pass out because you couldn't bear it any, any longer. And this that Jesus taught, it says that he taught for that reason that we would pray, that we would pray and not faint. Well, just the fact that he uses that word that we wouldn't faint means that he had a pretty good idea of how bad things could get for us. He had a pretty good idea of how close we could come to getting beyond endurance that we would just pass out. And he wanted to encourage us that you don't have to do this. There is never a situation that is so bad that you should bear it on your own and place the concern upon your own shoulders to the point where you just give up. You faint away. We can understand men because we deal with men and so God, Jesus uses people and life as an example for us and we all have our own perception of God also. We, we each one of us have a picture in our mind, perhaps, or in our heart, of what God is like. And when you 
pray to God or when you sing to Him or when you worship Him, you have an idea in your own heart of what God is like. Sometimes I wonder, do we know? Do we have any idea of what God is really like? To each one of us, He can only be what we perceive Him to be. No more and no less. And He wants us to know Him as He is. We know that people are affected by actions. We know that if we're really down and out, that if we go to a person and we really plead our case and said, listen, I'm desperate. I've got to have help. There are some people that are hard, but there are a lot of people and most people that are going to be affected by our desperation. And we understand men, and but it's hard for us to believe that God has feelings. We say, our Father, but... When we say that prayer, our Father, do we really mean it the way we say it? Jesus taught us to say our Father because he wanted us to feel and know that this is what he is. Or do we say in the prayer, even though we say the words our Father are, is our mind and heart saying, Almighty Judge, Almighty King afar off, Almighty Ruler and Controller of all the universe, O all-seeing eye who sees into my life and into my heart, Almighty Measurer who measures everything that I do and think and say, is that what our heart really cries out when we say the words, Our Father? He isn't that. Jesus taught us to say our Father because He is our Father. He has feelings. He has reactions. And that's why Jesus taught this. He said there was a man who didn't fear God and he didn't regard man. He was self-sufficient. He wasn't affected by anybody. He made his, his own, own decisions. He was a law unto himself. And he was a judge. And a woman came to him and says, Avenge me of my adversary. And he said, Don't bother me. Too busy. He didn't care about her or her adversary or anything else. He didn't fear God. He didn't feel he had any obligation to have compassion on her. He wasn't afraid of men that they might say that, well, you're treating her kind of rough. He didn't have any reason to feel anything toward her. And she came back and she says, Your Honor, I've got an enemy. I've got an enemy who's tormenting me, who's just destroying my life. You've got to help me. You've got to do something for me. He still didn't care about her, but he finally said within himself, if I don't do something for this woman, she's, she's going to give me no rest. She's going to give me no peace. 
she'll be back here week after week after week and I've got to listen to this. He says, okay. I told her, I'll, I'll do it. No reason. Nothing inward, nothing, no pressure, no authority over him that made him do it, but he just did it just because he says she's going to just weary. She's going to wear me out. And Jesus t uses this, and it should bring shame to us that he has to use these kind of examples. He says, now, this is what a, a man would do for a person. Just a, a, a man who doesn't care about people. He doesn't fear God. He's just a person. He will react like this, and he will avenge her of, his, of her adversary just because she's going to wear him out with her continual pleading. And then he says, don't you think that God is going to hear? Don't you, don't you think that your father and my father is going to hear your prayers? Do you think he's ignoring you? Do you think he's unaffected by what's happening in your heart and in your life? Do you think he doesn't see or doesn't care? He says, don't faint. Don't give up. What would have happened if Joseph had given up in that pit? I mean, it was the end of the road for the man. He had no hope. He was there by himself. He had no food. He had no water. His brothers hated him. What would happen if he had given up? His only salvation but was to be sold into bondage. That was the only hope he had. He got out of the pit. He got food to eat. So he traded death for bondage. And then, when things seemed to be turning good, then a lie and deceit made him a prisoner again. And again he was in bondage. He was in jail. No matter how much good he tried to do, no matter how he turned to God and how faithful he tried to be to God and to do what's right, it seemed that everything went against him. And before him was set, he was set there to be the savior of his father's house, the refuge. He was set there to teach his brothers, all of them, what it is to have mercy instead of vengeance. What it is to be able to be, to forgive and to be forgiven. What it is to see somebody raised from the dead whom you thought was gone. And the joy that it can bring you when that person who was dead is not only alive but is the ruler. They in their experience learned a little bit. got a taste of, of what was to come when Jesus would come to do those very same things only in a far, far deeper and greater way. But Joseph, if he had fainted and had not continued to pray, if he, all these things couldn't have happened. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't faint. That's what Jesus is trying to tell us. No matter how bad things go for you, no matter how hopeless they are, 
no matter how small the light that seems to be burning within your heart, that light of faith, no matter how vague and hard to understand the things of God are, no matter how dark the way might look ahead of you, he says, don't quit. Don't give up. Continue to talk to God. Talk to him. And then he ended with a almost like a, a sad ending. But when he comes again, will he find faith on earth? Will he find faith? Will he find people who still trust him in him? Will he find people who are praying and saying, Our Father, who understand it and know it and feel it within their heart? We know he's going to find religion. He's going to find a lot of religion. We know he's going to find churches full. But chances are he's not going to come on church day. Chances are he's going to come when we're right in the middle of our everyday life. We're working in the kitchen or in the office or out shopping or at the mall or we're driving down the highway. Who knows where we're going to be when he comes? There's a good chance we're not going to be sitting in church feeling and trying to be holier than we normally are. We're going to be somewhere doing and being what we are every day because that's what really we are. And that's really what God sees and and that's where the true worship of God is. God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. They don't do it in church under a ceremony. They do it within their hearts day by day in spirit and in truth. And when he comes at that moment, his question is that will I find faith on earth? And what he's looking for is faith. That's the fear. That is the thing that he doesn't want. He doesn't say that when I come again will I find everybody living a pure Christian life, saying Christian things and having Christian thoughts. And We would like to have the idea that, that what we really are is godly Christian people who who are practicing our religion all the time, but we're not really that. We're really what we are. We're really just us with our hearts, and most of us sit here, and we're pretty much the same now as when we were little kids. We're pretty much the way we were born into this world and the traits that we carry and the things that we bear in our flesh are pretty well what was given to us when we entered into this life and we still got them with us today. Jacob, when Pharaoh asked him how old he is, he told him and, and then he, after that he put a lament and he says that I, he still, I, he, I still haven't attained to the the days of the years of the that my fathers sojourned on this earth. In other words, he says, this is how old I am and it doesn't look like it's over yet even. I might have to live a while yet because my 
My father's lived longer than this. He had had a hard life. He had borne a lot of sorrow. He had borne a lot of grief. And, and in the midst of that, especially that reunion with his son Joseph when he received him as from the dead, that was a, that was a quite an occasion, but it still didn't blot out all the grief that he had borne throughout all his life. And our life is pretty much the same. It's full of a lot of troubles. And we have to, I think, every one of us say that it's not hard to be a Christian this morning, but it might be hard to be a Christian tomorrow. It's not hard to be a Christian here in church, but it's sometimes hard at home and at work and at school, wherever we are. It's pretty hard to be a Christian. But what is it to be a Christian? Is it to try to be good so that you will be acceptable before God? Try to do what's right so you, so you will acceptable be acceptable before God? And if Jesus comes, that he'll find you doing pretty well what is right? Being a Christian is not measured, it's not measured by successes. It's the spirit of adoption that we receive. It's when we can believe in our heart that God and Jesus have made a commitment to us, to every one of us, is to believe that, as Jesus said in his prayer to his Father, he says, Thine they were, and thou gavest them unto me, and I have kept them, and I have lost none, save the son of perdition. It's a spirit of adoption where we have a father and he says, I'm going to take you as my child. Well, I'm not a good child. It doesn't matter. I'm not a healthy child. It doesn't matter. I've got a lot of problems. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you are. The spirit of adoption says that you are mine. You are my responsibility. I have the power and I have the desire to watch over you and care for you. That is faith, to believe that. To believe that we are, God, we are God's children and that it's a commitment on His part to us, not a commitment on our part to Him. For our part is to receive it and to believe it and to accept it. I am God's child. He is my Father. Are you a good child? No. Are you an obedient child? Most of the time, no. Are you a thankful child? No, a good part of the time you just take it for granted. Are you still his child? Yes. Would you like to be better than you are? Is there anybody here that would say no? Is there any, any heart here that say no? I have no desire to be any better than I am. I think every, I think that's the cry of every heart. If I could only be what I want to be. If I could only be what He deserves for me to be. If I could even be thankful to the degree that He merits thanks. If I could only praise Him a little bit the way He deserves and needs praise. 
but I can't be. But you are still his child. That's the faith that Jesus wants to find in your heart. He will not give you up. Don't give him up. He will not forsake you. Do not forsake him. In Jesus' name, amen. The next song is 362.